This is part one of a two-part podcast. Put Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your Paul-versation today at permies.com slash consult. permies.com slash consult. Oh, it's going. I can see the numbers counting down. They must be happening. It's for real. Okay, this is Janelle. Am I pointing right? No, she's over there. And, and, uh, and Janelle has foolishly paid me monies, real monies that I could spend on pie. And, uh, in order for me to sit here for an hour and look at pictures of her property and, and hear her, uh, plans. Is that plans? You have, do you have plans? You have ideas. I have so many conflicting ideas that I'm hoping uh, you're going to knock the stupid ones right out. And uh, okay, all right. All <laughs> what right. would Paul do? Is my question. Well, and and it's funny because when we uh, I've done this a couple times before, and um, the the comments will be that I'm a horrible, monstrous person, and it's mm. like, but. But just so you know, you've signed up for this. Yeah, oh, and, and I put my name. I put my name down. So if I make <laughs> <laughs> so if you've watched some of these videos that are currently up on YouTube, you kind of know what you're getting into. I I tried really hard to keep plasticky bits out of my photos, but I did fail on one. So forgive oh. me. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, we're not perfect either, and uh, and we're trying. We're just trying. We're getting there. Yeah. Finding ways get a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Now I know that people can type into the chatty chat, and um, uh, it's it's plausible that what'll happen is is that Andreas might see that and he puts it up in such a way that we might be able to address it. So, but the key is mm. Janelle paid for this hour, so we gotta cater to Janelle. First and foremost, but if 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 I say something stupid, somebody might have something fun to add. All right, Andreas, can we look at Janelle's property and we can start getting an idea of? So so Janelle, yes. Um, how many acres you got there? Five. So it's, got, is that your neighbor that has a swimming pool? They do. They have <laughs> a, a giant water bill. We don't water anything. Um, uh, we have, it's two and a half acres, the, on the right. Is that, I hope that's everyone's right. That's my right. Uh, with nothing on it. Uh, and then it's just about two and a half acres, two, four something, uh, on the left with the house on it. Um, so five in total. Uh, it used to be in the seventies, all one five acre lot, apparently. So we're bringing it back together, but it is subdivided at this point. Okay. All right. Now, um, what part of the country are you in? We are in Southern California, um, about an, well, 70 so miles from Los Angeles and maybe 35, 40 miles from Palm Springs. So we sit, um, inland. You're inland. 
very inland. We'll get foggy mornings, but we're very inland. We, and we're at, um, we, this house is at uh, about 1500 feet. So we get cool at night, um, mm-hmm. in the winter time, not now. Today's gorgeous. Um, our night times can get down into the thirties for maybe a week. Um, but then in the summer we can be a hundred and over 110 for a week, you know? So, okay. It's, uh, extreme. (laughs) We, we have a, um, yeah, that, I don't know. I guess that, does that summarize the climate we're in? I think so. It's, um, we have no, we have no soil. We have dirt. It's decomposed granite, uh, with some clay mixed in. It does act like concrete. Um, uh, and the lot you can, this is pretty early actually. We own the house at this point because I can see some of the early trees that we put in, uh, and a shed that we pulled from the house all the way down there because we were using it with chickens for a while. Um, but, it's, it looks a lot, it doesn't look as green in person as it does in that shot for some reason. Okay. Okay. Frost. You get a little? Yes. A little. A little. Okay. Did you by any chance see my, uh, three movie set called World Domination Gardening? I have not. Okay. So, um, about 10 years ago, I was asked to come and teach an earthworks workshop there. It was three days. And so for three days I did this. And there were these two guys with cameras. And so they hooked me up to a microphone and they videoed me. And I, and they said, we're going to get rich on Kickstarter making this into a movie. And it's like, Oh good. You don't owe me a penny. I hope you guys get filthy rich. And, uh, and I taught the workshop for free. Um, and, uh, and then when it, then like, uh, I don't know, like six months later, I was approached by the, a guy who said, I own all that video and those guys are not doing anything with it. I know you've put out some movies. Can you take this and turn it into movies? So we turned it into a three movie set. So this was um, inland from San Diego, which I oh. want to be clear, it's pronounced Sandy Ego. <laughs> Not the way that they spell it all hoity toity. Okay. Mm. Just just so we're clear, Sandy Ego. So okay. uh anyway. But inland San Diego. That's on, honestly inland. that's we're zone nine, there's zone nine. I have a cousin in uh, Chula Vista, so that's inland San Diego, and he and I grow the same things, have the same sort of, uh, yeah, weather. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is it's going to be very, very similar. We get maybe twelve inches a year. Maybe of rain. this of year we probably will. We used to have we we've been as low as seven inches. We used to have a weather station on a pole down where we had chickens and the owls would roost there at night and poop in the rain gauge. So uh, we had no data after that. <laughs> so I don't know what we got last year. Understood. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I mean, just kind of looking around, you can kind of tell, but, but, uh, of course, um, so like, uh, Missoula, Montana gets 13 inches of precip a year, but it stays so cold so much of the year that a lot of it's slowed down and we end up with a lot of, um, forests and stuff. Mm. All, all because, uh, um, it's so much colder, but where you are, it's, it's so much hotter and drier that, um, <clears throat> it, it's gonna, it's gonna be very deserty. Now, do you, do you have any kind of water flow? Uh, we do. So the trees that you see there, that's, um, face the, the trees are to the west of the house, west, southwest. Um, and, uh, yes, a creek flows through there. In fact, that was the reason we bought, uh, this property. We came to see it. We were looking for something with water on it and, uh, the chorus frogs were so loud. It was amazing and beautiful and we bought it (laughs) even though we didn't, we didn't really want the house, but we definitely wanted, wanted that. Okay. So that creek is going to be the lowest point of your property. Is that yes. right? It's okay. about 24 feet um, lower than where the house sits. Okay. And that is the part of the property where we see so many trees. Yes. Willow, uh, all cotton willow mostly. And then, uh, you know, a fig. I mean, lots of stuff, you know, singing okay. nettle and uh, all kinds of native plants. Um, yeah, mostly okay. willow, right. though. Good, great, 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 great. Um, I'm going to speculate that the government has strong feelings about you uh, sipping that water. And I, I'm going to add something to it. Um, so we've been here for 10, maybe going on 11 years. And, um, we don't really hear many frogs anymore. And I haven't hunted around to look for crayfish. There were crayfish in there. Um, but I, we don't, I heard a frog the other night way down to the west of the property. And that was, it's a decided, so that was something we were going to have the water tested. And then the company that I was talking to locally that does water testing said, you know, if there's life in that water, you're probably good. You know, right. I mean, no, you, you can't divert it or pump it. Um, I think you can do a um, what is that called? Uh, you dig a pit and hit groundwater and whatever fills in your pit, you get to pump out. Or you could um, just put in a, a shallow well. You could put in a. Mm, I guess that's but, it. That is a shallow well, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like what? But you could put something in that's less of a pit and more of a well-shaped hole. That's like a modern well-shaped hole. Some people do a sandpoint well. Like if the there's a good chance that the water is like only eight feet below the surface, and a sandpoint well will get that. So the sandpoint well is a thing where. Um, it's got a bit of a screen on the tip and then you just pound it into the ground 
and then you hook a pump up to the top part, and then you pump mm. that water out. Mm. Okay. And so, um, uh, so chances are that you might be able to do that, and you might not be allowed to do that. But I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar with all the laws and stuff in your area. But I'm thinking it's it's not great because they they're considering in our county to not allow you to collect rainwater that you have to um, seep it into the ground. Like you've got to have a perforated cistern that all your drains go into. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what's been made permanent or not. But water clearly. So you're saying water is a, is a clearly. Well, okay. You are in an area where um, you get 12 inches of, of precip per year, combined with being rather warm most of the year. Not like you have six months of snow. You know, it's it's like you get the occasional light frost. And the rest of the year, any water is just going to go through the surface. Now, it's um, decomposed granite and some clay, which clay is decomposed granite that's decomposed a little further. Oh, okay. Well, good <laughs> and, to know. And so, um, uh, th- now, I have run an excavator. I, so when I was on Mount Spokane, that was decomposed granite. Um, and uh, we had, you know, places where the clay had accumulated because, you know, it, the, the decomposed granite decomposed further into clay, and the clay is more portable than the decomposed granite. Um I built a lot of ponds. Um, so I'm kind of trying to say you could build a lot of ponds. Now, now granted, um, you know, I don't know how much of my stuff you've listened to about ponds, but you're in an area so close to Los Angeles that the um, folks that do regulation probably, you know, do it more than the most regulated place in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, reasons, you know, higher population density. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that for a national level that, um, and, and in the last 15 years, regulators have come a long ways. They really want a lot more people building ponds for all the reasons. And so it's like, uh, that's, that's terrific. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there's some older laws and things like that. And, and, um, for the most part, <clears throat> you could do something where, well, what it used to be, the guidelines used to be that if you built a pond and the dam was no taller than eight feet tall and the total surface area of the pond was less than a quarter of an acre, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. And the mm-hmm. only reason you would ever need to ask forgiveness uh, is if somebody hates you and, uh, I don't know, flew a helicopter over or did a drone or could somehow see what you have done. Mm-hmm. And then they'll call the department making you sad and then they have to come out and, you know, activate, you know, whether or not you will be forgiven kind of a thing. <laughs> I think I did hear a podcast recently where you were saying, turns out the, it was like a, you could pay a $500 fine versus trying. There was a, there's a story of a guy that went through years of litigation. Yeah. 
And in the end, the um, regulators said, you know, you could just pay a $500 fine. And then this guy who's already spent like $80,000 on legal fees is like, why didn't you say that in the beginning? You know, <laughs> here, $500, done. And now I can keep my – but he had a lake. He had like a mm-hmm. – okay. I don't know. I, I think it was like a six-acre lake and yeah. and – and he had to pay a $500 fine. But you've got to keep in mind, too, that's probably with just one branch of the government. And there's mm-hmm. many branches that are very concerned about people making lakes and ponds. But, okay, setting that aside. Okay. Um, so let's go back to looking at that picture, that overview picture. Yeah. Wow, that was so responsive. This is oh. I, think, I think this is Andreas helping us out today. Quick on it. I, I do have to say that since we moved in um, – the area to the right of the driveway, kind of between the driveway and the house, is a natural, really low spot. If that other, there's a photo of the space between the properties. It's kind of a slope on one side. No, next. That's the wood pile, though. Uh, next. Next. <laughs> Sorry, this one. Um, no, nope, you had it. <laughs> that, was, that explained it though but um do, do you have a pointer can i have a pointer is that i don't know is that a thing anyhow here look um, i'm pointing at things actually, does it help this, this is between i'll explain the photos there's not many um there, oh, we, go. Right. there. there we go um, all right i always this is me i was standing in the driveway and then shooting between the properties that Ridge is is heading to the um, to sequoia that our son planted ten years ago. Um, that tall green tree in the back. Okay. Um, is you can see like quite a bit of slope, and I've always and and our neighbor's property naturally everything flows from them. <laughs> that brings up another question. Everything flows from them, uh, it kind of towards this. And then, okay. and then it slowly drifts down and meets up with the creek at the bottom, um, and uh, and it, there's just that natural depression right there. And I've I have thought many times before of of putting berms along that you know perpendicular to that slope to stop slow that water down and plant okay. on that. In the World Domination Gardening movie, um, I think it's the first movie is all about ponds. And the goal of the particular property that we were at is that um, <clears throat> whenever it would rain there, and it wasn't very often that it rained, but when it did, it was very floody rain. It was like suddenly waters flowing on top of everything. And then it stops, and then it's it's bone dry for six months until the next rain. And um, so then th- their thing was is like, okay, for example, the road that runs by the property would basically turn into this river. And it's like, can't we have some of that and and do something with all that water? And it's like, well, yeah, but it's going to be really gross water. Yeah. What do you so, think? So so gross 
that they pro that they at the time had never heard of frog. And you were talking about frogs. Now <laughs> frogs are super sensitive to any toxins. Right. So um and I'm kind of thinking like I wish for your frogs to come back. And, I wish so too. And and it's like uh and I'm willing to do a lot to bring back frogs. And so let's so my thinking is is you know what we did in that movie more than was it I think it was more than ten years ago is we made a small pond next to the road and we did some things to make it so that the water that would go down the road would be persuaded lightly invisibly like oops now the water goes into our little teeny tiny pond mm. oops and uh when it and the here and then there was just a bizarre thing we were told that there was going to be no rain for the next 6 months and so we built the pond and we weren't quite done building it when surprise that night there was a big rain and it filled the pond and uh and, and mostly coming from the road because we did a bunch of stuff to kind of gently invisibly make it so that the water from the road would go into our pond and it worked <laughs> and so it filled the pond uh <clears throat> all right so the water coming onto your property from the neighbors probably not of the highest quality the water that's currently passing through your property used to be of the highest quality and now not so much oh here's some slides from the pond we made uh oh, okay, great. over there and Inland of San Diego. And so, um, and here you can kind of see it after it had filled in. Like we were. How large was, how large was that again? It, Sorry. I'm, I'm not sure what the size of it was. I mean, you could, the excavator, you could kind of look at the cab of the excavator and you could imagine somebody sitting in that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's now big. that kind of gives you an idea. This this is not a really big pond. But, you know, I don't on the other hand, it's like if somebody's got an urban lot, this pond might be way too big for just a urban backyard. It, it seems like was, that'd be big on on the, you know, on two and a half acres, you know. I think that this is way under a quarter of an acre, which is kind of what we were shooting for. And all of oh. our dams were less than eight feet. So we're kind of like trying to be like, you know, if anything ever happens, we're going to be prepared to kind of hit the, you know, forgiveness instead of permission kind of a thing. My understanding is, is that when it's this small, it's like, um, and, and some department of making you said comes out and has to look at it. And they see it's this small. They're like, whoever called me just wasted my day. Mm. And, and so they're, they now hate the person that called rather than you. And it's like, yay. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that, oh, I could chalk that one up as a win. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, um, <clears throat> but here's the key. What we wanted was that when the water would come in from the road and fill this pond, we needed the pond to be big enough and we needed to slow the flow down enough that the floaters would float and the sinkers would sink. 
and that only the highest quality water would go out the other side. And so we're going to grow a lot of stuff in there, and we're going to make a lot of stinky swamp because whatever gross stuff is coming off the road, we want our swamp to basically filter all of that. So what comes out the other side can be used for a permaculture paradise. And maybe frogs will show up one day. Mm. So, all right. Now, now the, I think that the creek, my guess is, is that you can't touch it. You can't, I mean, if, if a tree fell over and started filtering the water, Accidental like, I I think that that might be okay. Well, it's which... all over all the time. Oh, you don't say. You do. And they never have blunt cut ends. <laughs> <laughs> they just break off like with nature <laughs> and shit and stuff. And so, uh, uh, but. I think I think you might have the ability to click on the slides going left and right. Have you tried that yet? So that way you can talk about whatever, like whichever picture you want to talk yep. about. If you hover your mouse over there, I think I've clicked on them a few times and moved them around. Uh, There's like a little left arrow, a little right arrow. Okay. While you're discovering your arrows. <laughs> I swear I don't have an arrow. I would have to say that to get the frogs to come back, you're not allowed to go in there and make ponds. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to go in there and take water out. You're not, there's the list of what you're not allowed to do is pretty substantial. But if logs happened to find their way into the water a lot, especially a little upstream of you, mm-hmm. it might help a little bit. Um, that's really the logs. So I'm just going to give a hypothetical as a, would logs help for this? The hypothetical might be that there may have been, um, the dumping, uh, of, uh, fire retardant during an exercise at a certain, um, uh, landing strip somewhere that might just happen to be uh, something that makes upstream, frogs upstream, upstream from us and sad to frogs and like, sad to frogs. <clears throat> so um, I'm Edward Norton. No, not that one. The other one. And I love pies. No, not that kind. The other kind. Hermes is an old school forum packed full of friendly people who occasionally give out a slice of pie. You'll never forget your first slice of pie. It made me feel so good. I had to buy a whole pie so I could share the love. Oh, and there's apples too. Sign up at permies.com to join in the world of homesteading and permaculture, and you too might get a slice of pie. Okay, the the key is is that... Um, oh, thank you. Whoever, did you do that? I didn't do that, it, and I guess you didn't do anything. Me, but... Okay, okay. so... I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that um, <clears throat> uh, wood, if it's relatively fresh, 
is it's a very high carbon material and it has a lot of cation exchange capacity. Um, it has a lot of parking spaces for toxins. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of stuff that will, um, uh, if there's toxins, that it'll kind of absorb them and hold on to them. Mm. Um, but the trade-off is, is that if it does that trick, then later when it decomposes, it releases them again. So there are all kinds of growies that are particularly good at taking up toxic stuff. So a famous one is the oyster mushroom, probably the most famous uh, thing for toxin mitigation. And so suddenly you could have a whole bunch of oyster mushrooms growing out there, and um, but the thing you'd have to do is go and, and harvest the fruiting body of the oyster mushrooms when they pop up, and then you're going to have to take them off-site in order to get the toxins away. And so there are some toxins that certain things can break down into something safe. But um, most of the toxins we're dealing with are heavy metals, and they don't break down. It's like they're always heavy metals. And mm. so with most where, of Where is the way? Oh, beautiful question. What a beautiful, beautiful question. Um, for each person away is going to be different. And then it's like, are you going to move it to a place where it's just going to be bad over there? Um, so yeah, where is way? Oh, oh, that is so good. Now <clears throat> I'm going to propose something. Let's pretend for a moment that you're going to do oyster mushrooms and then you somehow a whole bunch of oyster mushrooms were growing down in there. And then you were going out there once a week and harvesting a bunch, and you were taking them away. And you had built something that was kind of like a, uh, um, I don't know, let's, let's say a garbage can that was protected from rain um, or something. And you would throw these oyster mushrooms into this garbage can where they would then dry and maybe eventually break down or or something like that. I mean, I would have some concern over some kind of critter eating them. But the thing is, is like um, they they could get broken down. They could get composted. You, you could do something with black soldier fly larvae, things like that, and then basically get reduced eventually into ash. And so it's just, you know, a bunch of minerals and then the toxins. Um that could be your away, um, okay. something where you're you're dealing with the away yourself. I'm a little shy on ideas on how exactly you may do that. Now, if you put a whole log in there and then the log is getting to the point that it might be breaking down, then it's kind of like, okay, are you going to fish that whole log out and put it into your away? And it's like that might be a little substantial. And then yeah. getting it to break down could be challenging. Uh, so we've got something. What about a bunch of mycelium inoculated straw bales placed on the contour line? And it's like, yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of things you could do along those lines. Now, let's look away from the creek for a moment. And instead, let's look back on this little draw that we were looking at. So I want to click the little buttons to get that draw to show up. There it is, this one. Okay. And so 
you've got water coming from those houses in the background, right? No, they're below. Oh. Well, they're kind of, uh, they're lower than us, but higher than the creek. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say a thing, which is not behind, the, not I'm a sorry, design. behind us there's water coming. Okay. All right. Whichever way it's going. Let me, I'm just going to ignore that part. I'm going to, who cares? I'm going to say a thing. And it's not a perfect solution. It's not even probably the solution, but it's a place to begin. And it goes like this. <clears throat> what if we made a series of like four ponds right here, little ponds, like the ones we saw in the pictures earlier? Okay. <clears throat> and then we did the same thing with all four ponds where we were trying to make it so that any flow was slowed way down and uh, the sinkers would sink, the floaties would float, and there would be a, a, a variety of life in the water and around the water and through, you know, surrounding the water, all kinds of things. So that way, um, what would flow out of each pond would be a little bit cleaner than what flew in, what, what flowed into. <laughs> I was trying to say flew in. Flew in. Flowed in. Flew yep. in. Uh, to, you know, so it's like each pond cleans and it's possible that in the last pond, frogs will return. Mm. And if you, if you do a really good job, maybe it'll even be sooner than that. Plus, not to mention the fact that, um, and, and, you know, you're going to quickly be utterly infested with mosquitoes. And so you want to do things to mitigate for that. And that's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, add some kind of life to each of the ponds that likes to eat mosquitoes, so small fishes yeah. of different kinds. If you get goldfish, which eventually grow up to be koi and worth $15,000 per fish or something, um, but if you do that, they are able to um, breathe air from above the surface if there's not enough oxygen in the water. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so if if there's a boo boo and getting air into the water, they'll mitigate that, and then they'll go and they they'll eat the mosquito larvae and and stuff like that. They'll, they'll keep it all well under control. All right. We do have a a lot of that's a I know it's a different topic completely, but um, because of the creek and this, our property is like the way that all the wildlife move through this kind of suburban environment. Mm -hmm. So we have everything, egrets, multiple hawks, uh, owls, coyotes, tons of rabbits, squirrels that eat all my fruit trees. <laughs> oh, they're the bane of my existence. But, um, okay. uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of animal life. So I feel like koi, uh, we quit the chickens till we could figure out how to have chickens that weren't just getting fed to wildlife. Do you have a, a livestock guardian dog? Um, no. We have many small, fluffy, not guardian dogs. Yeah. Coyote, coyote chow. They are, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys run on outside and feed the coyotes. I'll wait here. Oh, and bobcats. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. They're, they're formidable, those little buggers. <laughs> yeah. 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 They love chicken. So, uh, how do you feel about having a livestock guardian dog? I was looking forward to not having dogs once these lovely creatures leave this so a world. Livestock, 
a livestock guardian dog would be an outside only dog. Mm. But okay. you, you do need to establish a perimeter. The dog needs to know what mm. is ours. And so there, so you probably need to have a pretty decent fence mm. you know, to keep the, cause if, if you've got 200 acres, the dog will take up 200 acres, but you have, is it five? Is that right? Five. Five. Mm-hmm. five. Fence. A fence would be good, but mm. once you have this dog, you no longer have any predator problems. Really? Uh, you have none. Um, it's all solved by livestock guardian dog. Perhaps people in the chat, because because Janelle said the word really. Perhaps people in the chat can can verify what I'm saying. Like, oh, do we have anybody who's active right now who has experienced a livestock guardian dog being as effective as I claim? Can anybody can anybody back me up here? And so um I'm not seeing anything. I don't I don't even see the chat right now. I, <laughs> no one has your back. No one has my back. There's nothing. And so I heard uh it. there you go. One. Samantha <laughs> dogs are the best. I know Samantha has at least one. Um mm. <clears throat> so All right. Um, I'm going to go Um All right. So I'm going to I'm going to say that Okay, so um, solved. You could be in an area where it's like you keep your chickens in this chain link fence thing that has a chain link fence roof and, and it's a cement foundation. There's no way anything is getting in there. And yet predators still manage to get in there and eat all your chickens. How'd you know that? And then, uh, and then you bring in a livestock guardian dog and you could have the crappiest chicken enclosure and they're all safe. Mm. And when the predator comes around, it's like there's a predator predator on standing by hoping that somebody will come by to be entertainment for the evening. Mm. I have lots and lots of stories to share about livestock guardian dogs, but those are, let's set those aside for now. We've got, we've got other things we've got to get through here quickly. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, fence, livestock guardian dog. It's an outside dog. Right now, your fluff balls are indoor things. They are. And so, livestock guardian dog, I think it'll be far easier for you because it's an outdoor dog. And, and it sounds like you're fine with dogs. It's just that, um, the ones that you have now can be a little exhausting. And it could be because they're there with you all the time. And a lot of, just four dogs to take care of is, you know what I mean? It's not like having four chickens where you get eggs in return for your effort. <laughs> they right. give love. They give love. It's and true. So but it's hard to what, find someone to take care of four dogs if you need to be out of town for any length of time. Okay. All all good stuff. Now, um, yeah, but, I seem to recall having a, a a dog feeder that I made that the dogs could eat the food, but then the free-range chickens and turkeys could not. Mm. But there was enough food in the hopper on this thing that the dogs could have all the kibble they wanted for about 10 days, you know. And then, of course, the creek makes it so that you don't have to provide a water dish. And so, um, uh, but basically, in a way, I'm going to say a weird thing, but you know exactly what I'm saying. In a way, it's as if that dog lays eggs. 
Because right. without the dog, there's no eggs. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like you want to have. So you said it's not like it's a chicken and it lays yeah. eggs. And it's like, oh, but it totally it does. Totally does it? Probably it lays all the eggs, <laughs> right? And, and then the next thing is is that um, uh, you're going to try and grow things, but you're overwhelmed with voles and moles and and uh all kinds of underground critters and they all the things that want to eat your everything and it's like but those people are now your friends because they help you to reduce your kibble bill mm. as as your as your dog goes I'm like look I I was eating this kibble that's so boring and dull um and and now and now I found ice cream packets hidden yeah. around the farm yeah. And I eat ice cream. It's delicious. So, um, I just thought I had a hawk shortage, you know, or, a, you know, I had a predator shortage, but you're right. There's the predator. Yeah. So, uh, I think, I think that the, uh, the, the, I want you to, I want you to try on the idea of a livestock guardian dog. Now, these are big dogs. Yeah. And, um, and they, I, I promise you that they smell like dog. <laughs> it's like, don't even, don't even try. Don't. Okay. It's like, this is a very woolly, woolly animal and it's going to smell like dog and it's an outdoor dog. So just the, the ultimate air freshener is outdoors. <laughs> there, dog, go be out there with the ultimate air freshener. So I want you to just try the idea on precise now. Okay. Let's talk about 12 inches of precip every year. Oh, yeah, this picture. This is the one I want to look at. Right. 12 inches of precip every year. And, and I can see, I bet you the, I can see some trees in the distance that are two miles away. So it's not like there's a big ass mountain between you and your next door neighbors. This is this is some relatively flat country. Tell me about the wind. Is there is there much wind? Because it seems flat. It seems like there'd be a fair bit. Yeah, we do. Um, well, there's there's a breeze uh, every evening, no matter you know. Mm-hmm. And then we get these winds. They call the Santa Ana winds mm-hmm. that can be gusts of sixty to ninety miles per hour. And, um, and usually it's like a three day. Once they start, we have them for three days and it whips and it howls and then it's over. Um, and we typically, um, it happens, um, in the fall. So this is that time. It kind of seems like nature's way of knocking all the rest of the leaves off the trees that need to come off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we'll have, and then we get a wind and they're off the desert. So they're typically, it's very warm. Like we're going to be, we're going to be dry. We're going to be and dry, very desiccating. Yes. We're going to, this is coming actually this tomorrow, the next day we're, we're in for that. Okay. So now I heard you use the word desiccating. So maybe you've heard me say this before, what I'm about to say. Do you you know what I'm going to (laughs) say? Uh, oh, no, please tell me. Okay, berms. Okay, that I was like, that's what I have a big pile of wood for. <laughs> or I'm, I'm, so, you know. 
So I kind of feel like, so part of it is, is like, okay, I'm, I, I want to do things that please me. And <clears throat> I'm going to guess that I can see a few houses over there in the distance. Mm-hmm. And one of those houses contains Mrs. Kravitz. And Mrs. Kravitz has some strong philosophies about how I need to live my life the Mrs. Kravitz way, which is not to have ponds, not to grow a garden. Um, <clears throat> she's a busybody. She's in my face. She's not very kind. She makes, she does everything she can to make me sad. Mm. But the beginning of it is, is that she goes and gets up on top of her roof with binoculars and tries to look onto my land to find something to call. All She's got all of the departments of making you sad all on speed dial. And you are her biggest hobby. And I am her biggest hobby. And so she wants... So step one, I need to do a Mrs. Kravitz-ectomy. Mm-hmm. And, and how this works is I need to start putting up some substantial berms. But the great thing about berms is, um, A, you get to drive an excavator, which is fun. <laughs> okay, next up is the whole thing about when you have enough berms that are tall enough, all of that wind kind of goes over all of your horticultural endeavors instead of through. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, here's, here's a couple of, these are just hugel cultures at my place. Um, and, uh, but, but there's a road that you can't see in this picture. And what we wanted to do was to delete the road. Mm. And so we, we built these hugel culture beds 11 feet tall, which was tall enough to just basically delete the road. But the other thing is, is like where where we're standing there, that's solid rock. Our property is is uh, you know one giant rock, <clears throat> or this property is. The lab has got deep alluvial soils, but mm-hmm. this property is just a giant rock. So in order to be able to grow gardens, we needed to import some something other than rock, and so we imported different soils from different places, and we built these. Tall hugelkultures. So you could call these a small, a short berm, but this is about 11 feet tall, and I'm wanting for you something in the realm of 15 feet tall. Whoa. Yeah. And and now I want you to try the idea on for size. I'm not looking for you to commit. I don't need you to panic just yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, okay, let's suppose that, uh, on the perimeter of your property, you put some berms in, and there's places where you don't want berms for reasons, and that's that's great. And um, but now that now that they're there, you you observe new benefits. The wind rarely ever comes down in between the berms, rarely. Um, if any of it does, it's very gentle. Everything starts to turn green because now there's less desiccation, less drying. Mm. Um, on top of that, um, uh, our growing season 
becomes longer because the the wind and you have frosts uh, the wind is not only drying and desiccating but the wind is also cooling which when it's very hot that can be rather delicious now what we did on that project near San Diego that's in that World Domination Gardening movie set is we felt like we wanted to do 50-50. We wanted to have some spaces that were going to be cooler and some spaces that would be warmer. So we wanted to have some spaces that had berms and some spaces that had swales. Mm. And so we wanted to kind of do a little bit of everything so we could end up with um, something that would work. So, for example, um, if you could have a space that's a little bit warmer, there are some things that you could grow that your neighbors can't grow because of your frosts. And then on the other hand, um, if you could have some spaces that are cooler, there's some things that you could grow that your neighbors can't grow because it's cooler. Mm. And so um, it's it's an area where it's good to have a little bit of both, but you need more moisture. Now, this podcast is continued in part two. In a world on the brink of social collapse, one website stands above the rest to fight back the zombie horde of corporate trolls. Permies.com. Take back control of your destiny and protect your loved ones from the toxic git coming at you from all directions. Strap on your overalls and start building that bunker of abundance with the good vibes and friendly, helpful insight found at permies.com.